Hey, thanks so much for checking out this episode of Golf Strategy School. Now, I know you're listening because you want to learn how to play better golf. But if you want to see how you compare to other golfers your age, you need to check out parforsuccess.com slash Griffin. That is par, the number four, success.com slash Griffin, G-R-I-F-F-I-N. And what it will do is it will actually give you a free assessment where you can see exactly how you measure up against other people your age. And you can see where you're excelling, where you need to focus your time on. And this is an assessment, honestly, that you can take once a month just to see how you're progressing throughout your golf journey. So again, check out parforsuccess.com slash Griffin to see how you measure up against other golfers your age. Hey, what's up, Golf Strategy School? Marty Griffin back here with you again, and I am with Chris from Par for Success Golf Performance, and I'm really excited for this conversation because my back's killing me because I went out for my birthday a couple of weeks ago and hit way too many golf balls way too early in the season, and we're going to talk to Chris about how we can kind of avoid those early season injuries and how we can make sure we're ready, and we're also going to talk about all of the research that Chris does to really kind of help validate whether or not what we see on social media meets muster in the golf world and actually helps us. So Chris, how are we doing today? I'm awesome, Marty. I'm excited to be on the show and uh, and obviously excited to help your back as well as anyone else's. <laughs> Appreciate who, uh, it. Went out and hit way too many golf balls yesterday. <laughs> yeah, and uh, for those of you who don't know, Chris was named to Golf Digest uh, Top 50 Fitness Instructors. Uh, he's involved with the Titleist Performance Institute as well, so there's really a wealth of knowledge here in this conversation. And so really, I guess, just to kind of kick it off, like I've read through your website and and looked at all the stuff and how you started from very humble beginnings, but you know, how did you, how did you get kind of tied into golf? What brought you to golf to begin with? That's, that's a great question. No, I think uh, we could take up the entire podcast talking about this, but I think, I think <laughs> I played basketball through college and my last year of uh, you know physical therapy school is um, you know, basically I had no more eligibility. My buddy took me out on the golf course that I was living with at the time. And he, absolutely wiped me up and down the fairways i said okay i found my new sport <laughs> um, you know, and i think you know we were talking a little bit before the show i think the beauty of golf is really like it was something that i knew i could play for the rest of my life um you know i didn't have to worry about blowing my achilles playing golf hopefully yeah. um but you know, <laughs> that's the wrong so, kind of golf <laughs> exactly so, that's, so really right after out of school i got into the game of golf kind of i moved down to north carolina um you know went to school up in massachusetts and there's longer golf seasons, lo and behold, in North Carolina. A lot longer, um, yeah. So, so, yeah, I was down here and just, it was something I loved to play. I loved to do. Um, I had a, my first job at one of the local universities as a physical therapist. Just quickly learned I was a terrible employee. Um, I really wanted <laughs> to do things a certain way that I felt was like better and, and just had some, you know, validation behind it. And uh, we'll just say that um, in the ACC world, if you refer a, a patient from one university school to another university school, it doesn't end well for you and your career. Um, <laughs> so, so, that, so I guess th those two things kind of came together and you know, there was nobody really doing a lot of golf fitness type stuff at the time. This is back in you know 2011 or so. And it was still pretty early for the just general population. And, but I said, you know, hey, take a shot. I think this is be something cool. And you know, so I kind of went out on my own, drove around in my 
rusted out Mazda three with a treatment table and some bands and just started knocking on golf pros doors. And, uh, you know, I, you know, you know, from there, there, you know, the rest is history. So we've kind of, we've grown a bunch. It's been an exciting journey and, uh, been able to find a lot of answers out, um, you know, for a lot of different people. And that's one of the things that's super intriguing to me. And it's something that we were talking about in our pre-interview conversations. You guys do a ton of research and you kind of described it as like the, the heartbeat of your organization is yeah. really making sure that everything is really well rooted in science. And even if there's a claim that there's science attached to it, how deep does that claim go? Is it, you know, did the marketing department get a hold of it and put an extra couple pumps into it? That type of thing. Research has become a marketing term as of late, unfortunately. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So one of the things we were talking about ahead of time, and I kind of want to dive into this is that I have talked to the gentleman at super speed golf in the past. They are past guests on the show and you actually did some research on their protocols and thankfully it sounds like they have listened to the research, but can you kind of lay out what work you did with them? Yeah, for sure. No, I think, you know, I think the reason we do the research just to give everybody a little context is when I started, um, I'm probably the most skeptical human being on earth. And so when you tell me, like, I, I honestly, I thought golf fitness was a load of crock. Yeah. I was like, there's no way this stuff works. Like, so I started tracking everything. Right. And so that kind of led to that's, that's kind of become the culture at par for success is, like, okay, you say that, let's test it and let's actually see. And so um, I think one of the, this is probably end of 2018 into 2019. Uh, you know, we actually, we partnered with Superspeed. They gave us a bunch of their sticks, super grace, you know, graciously. We had, you know, we have a hundred or so members. So we ended up having 40, 40 golfers in this, in these studies. So that's a, one of the problems, a lot of the research or quote unquote research that's done is you'll see like, oh, we had 10 people and they only did one test, right? Or like, there's no control group. Right. There's no like, you know, well, let's try this versus that. And, and the challenge is, in all fairness to the researchers, is there's not, it's hard to gather a big group. And that's one of the beauties of where, you know, of our success is we have yeah, having a big client list. We, 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 we affectionately call them our, you know, our, our guinea pigs. And we, you know, <laughs> um, you know they, they come in, they know we, we are absolute golf geeks. We, we test everything, we track everything. So what we did was we basically we took the three sticks. Uh, we took their current protocols at the time, which were like 30 swings with each stick, you know, both ways. And it was like 100 total swings. And then we said, well, you know, in other sports, it doesn't make any sense. If you look at all the other research, there's zero sense to no, 100 meter sprinters don't go run 100 meter, 100, 100 meter sprints. Right. Like, that's like stupid. Like that would they would be dead. Like that would not be good. For their, <laughs> right. Like, so so we said, well, this doesn't make any sense. Like science like physiologically so we said well let's take it and let's look at well what if you only do we'll take that protocol the standard protocol what was kind of the mainstream at the time and let's look if we, what if we only do the heavy stick what if we only do the medium stick and what if we only do the light stick and what if we only do them for 30 like 30 swings total right so literally a third of what the recommended protocol was at the time so we actually did a first initial six-week study and, and we found statistically speaking that it, there was no difference between the medium club and swinging all three clubs. Um, like if we, without getting too nerdy, the P value <laughs> was significant <laughs> where there was no difference between the two and the gains were, you know, you know the same. So we said, Oh, uh-oh. Um, <laughs> we better do another test just to make sure. Yep. So then we ran a, we ran a follow-up, uh, basically a follow-up eight week where we got bigger group sizes to look at just the three and just the middle. Cause basically we found is if you only go heavy, you get slower. And if you only go light, you get slower. 
So, so <laughs> like, okay, no need to test those again. <laughs> yep. We do run a business. Getting our golfer slower is not going to be good for our business. <laughs> um, so, so we threw those two out. We said, all right, let's retest the two that really looked like they didn't have a, a difference. Let's get bigger sample size groups. Reran it for eight weeks this time. Uh, and we saw the same thing. There was statistically no difference uh, in the three sticks versus the one stick. And so you could swing one stick and do it 66% less work and get the same speed outcome. Um, awesome. That was like massive, particularly you're talking about the number one injuries in golf. We're talking about your back hurting, right? Yeah. The number one, oh, the reason why backs and wrists and all those you know, areas get hurt for golf, generally it's not like you're getting taken out by you know, a linebacker from the side blind side, right? It's not contact, it's overuse. And so if overuse is the number one problem in golf, and we're doing speed protocols that are requiring us. more swings than we need to do. Like it would make sense for longevity in the game and longevity in the sport. Like let's work smart, smarter, not harder. Right. Oh, yeah. um, so that's where, that's where, you know, and, I, and you know, like you said, since then, I believe they've decreased the number of swings, which is great to see. And, 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 you know, so that's, that's, and then, you know, now you're seeing a lot more of these other speed, speed systems coming out and they're, uh, and so it's been cool to watch that whole industry kind of evolve. And it was obviously it was fun being a part of it, you know, in the early days of doing a lot of that research. And uh, we're doing actually doing a massive study right now looking at non-dominant swings. So okay. there's a lot of talk like, right, like, well, if you're right handed, yes. what if you only swing lefty? Um, so like there was a recent study that came out where, they, you know, we had 10 people and we only swung one way and we just saw, hey, does swinging one way really fast make you faster? Now, these people had never done any speed training or anything before. They got faster, but like, well, what if they had swung the regular way? Would that have been the same result? Like, and that's where it's, so it's like, okay, it's cool. Swinging fast, the opposite makes you faster, but is it better than just going the regular way or? Right. <laughs> right. So that's where there's still like, it almost creates more questions than not. So like, we're doing a, a really big study right now, looking with, you know, big numbers, multiple groups. Um, you know, we're, we actually, we did, we're. 18, 20 weeks in. So we're like, that's the cool things we're able to do these long perspective studies yeah. and look change data and whatnot. But, uh, but no, I think it's been really exciting for me to see the, you know, people in the industry changing their protocols as the science dictates, which is cool. Good. good yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one thing to, to go out with your kind of best use case in the moment, but if more information comes along, if the science says something else, you have to be willing to change, you know, that's, that's fundamental for really any golfer. Uh, if you're out there and you're making the same mistake over and over and over again, and you're just hoping something's going to change, you have to like with intention, make that change. And like, one yeah. of the things that I always work on is like, how do we practice rather than just going to the range and, and hitting golf balls until our arms fly down the range, you know, how do, how can we actually like maximize our practice time, get used to practicing in a way that teaches us how to perform under the pressure when we're actually out on the course. And I think that's a, a big shift for a lot of people, but it, it really makes me happy to, to hear that, uh, was it Mike and Kyle, I believe from super speed actually took your advice and, and yeah. they trimmed down the, you know, the protocol. So it's not just. Yeah, and I think the cool thing is the, the part that I want to iterate and, and make sure everybody heard what you said. And the the cornerstone of change is being willing to be wrong. And literally, yes. people can go to our website. They can download under our resources. They can download all of our studies. We put them out there for free. Like, we don't charge for them. But, like, at the end of the study, I literally write, 
my hope for this, this is not conclusive. This is one study. Like this is how yep. science is done to step in the right direction. And I hope that in six months, somebody proves this wrong because that would mean that this caused someone to ask another higher level question and moved us further down the line. And that's, that's how, that's the fundamental way that we operate at Power Success is if we are, to, if we are in six months where we are today, we screwed up royally. We did something totally wrong. Like we need to continually push the envelope and ask questions. And that's, that's how research should be done. The next study should build on the next study. And yeah, uh, you know, and that, that willingness to be wrong and open, uh, you know, unfortunately isn't rampant in our industry, but um, <laughs> we're in any to, industry really, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, I, I think it's just, I really want to, anyone listening just to really kind of take that to heart of what you said. It's like, if you're going out and practicing and you're and you're, and you're getting some result and you change it up, track what your result was before. Yes. And now track what the new result is. And if it's better, doesn't mean what you were doing was wrong. It just means that what you're doing now is better. And you probably wouldn't have found what you're doing now if you hadn't done what you did before. And so that's what progress looks like. This is what why golf journals are so important. Yes. <laughs> Man, track track <laughs> your outcomes, my <laughs> lord. Uh, and and I love that you said you know willing to be wrong because. I use like those exact words in conversations with my teenager <laughs> all the time. I'm like, I'm not saying X, Y, Z. I'm asking X, Y, Z. And I'm saying, this is my assumption. And I am totally okay. If I turn out to be wrong, I just need to hear more so I can understand why. Exactly. And yep. usually that, you know, backs the, the conversation off the, hormonal teenager edge <laughs> but hooray daughters uh, so <laughs> speaking of research and and kind of all the stuff that you've done in the past year and if you if you want to name names because it's obviously out there on your website feel free to has there been anything that was just horribly glaringly like oh my god there's no way you possibly could have done any research this is just completely a marketing tag you put on this you're lying lying liar mcliarson <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not the type of person who calls people out what i would say is for golfers is proceed with caution particularly in the speed training world um okay so i think that's probably the hottest area where people see like um you know products and there's new products coming out it's sexy to sell 10 20 yards right um, I think the big thing for golfers to understand is if you're not doing anything, if you go literally, you just go take your driver and swing really hard for the next six weeks and you do, you know, 30 swings <laughs> twice a week, you're going to get faster. Like you don't need fancy training devices. Like, like that, that's, that's the fact that we call them newbie yeah. games. We, that's why it's always great in the first six weeks, you show someone how much better they've gotten, like literally just getting them to do something is going to make them better. Right. Yep. Um, unfortunately, that's where a lot of the, the products and the quote unquote research will, will kind of drive people. Um, you know, I would really encourage people like when you're looking at Instagram or, and in, in looking at, there's a lot of stuff we'll see on tour pros. That's God awful. There's like, there's no way that like the whoever's working with them, actually has like researched this to any way, shape or form. Uh, like we've done, there's a lot of studies on, um, I think one of the coolest studies we've done, um, looking at like bands. So I would say, I'll just use bands in general. They're probably sure. the yeah. myth of helpful in golf uh, for creating speeds. So you'll see a lot of bands where they, you know, they pull bands and you do rotary bands and they're right. And so, oh, I'm getting faster. I'm working on my rotation. Um, and so we actually tested uh, 
uh, we've done two, we've done two studies. We did it with both pretty cool. We did one, we looked at rotary training with bands or cable machines versus uh, with what's called the eccentric uh, flywheel machine. So basically it's a, they used them for astronauts to, in order to create gravity, it's this big wheel, looks like a cable machine, but you pull hard and then the wheel pulls it back harder. So it actually creates an overload on the way back. Um, So we did a study on that and we looked at like, let's have one group's going to do that. One group's going to do rotary training with bands and cables. And another group is not going to do any rotary training because we wanted a control group and we're going to see what works best. So the, using the flywheel, having that overload on the way back actually produced 150% better swing speed results than bands and cables, um, which didn't perform any better than control group. <laughs> um, so and I think one of the reasons is that lots of bands, for instance, are what's called variable resistance. I mean, anyone who's pulled a band, when you start pulling, it's easy and the hard, further out you go, it gets harder. And then as you let it in, it gets easier as it goes using the flywheel machine, it's hard the whole way back. Yeah. <laughs> like like it's, it's just, the harder you pull it out, the harder it pulls you back. So you're always getting this overload, which is the primary way that, and you know, I guess most efficient way to generate strength or force and, and just in the human body. So then we were like, well, this, we scratched our heads. We're saying, okay, well, we know that machine works better than the others and it works better than nothing. Well, what about, uh, this rotation didn't help. What the heck? Like that doesn't make any yeah. sense. Everything, you know, throw medicine balls and this is like, all right, medicine balls. That's what we're going to test. So, you know, we're, all right. You can imagine what our meetings were like to scratch. Like, all right. Hey, scrolling through Instagram. <laughs> hey, let's study that. All right. So, so we looked at, so we took, uh, we took two groups, uh, after we had a control group and then we had one group that did medicine ball throws for rotary speed. Then we had another group where their power moves were more, uh, basically upper body push power and lower body vertical. So like jump type movements. Sure. Uh, you know, we know from our research, you know, at this point we've got probably the biggest database in the world. We know, Again, I'm getting geeky. So anyone here who's a geek, you know it. <laughs> I've got I've got a whole playlist on my YouTube channel that is just for numbers nerds. So like, exactly. I think there are some people out there listening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but basically, the like so so correlation is like, hey, this happened, and that usually happens. So there might be a relationship. There appears to be a relationship. Mm-hmm. Causation is if you do this, you're going to get this guaranteed, right? The so, absolute. Yep. Exactly. So we know that there's a causative impact if you produce, you know, get better producing force and jumping motions and get better producing force and kind of chat. If you're sitting in a chair and you throw a med ball, like a chest pass with two hands, uh, those two are causatively, um, you know, connected to club head speed going up. So we had one group just train those two. Another group just did med ball work and rotary work. And another group didn't do any of it. Right. So when we looked at med ball did nothing. So like throwing med ball literally did nothing. Um, the you're vertical, cleaning out my basement for me here, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It comes really your, your training requirements of what you need become really quite simple. small, yeah. <laughs> uh, but then your upper body, your push power and lower body jump power, like those massive gains, right? So that outperformed anything rotary. So unless you're really using like an eccentric flywheel machine, really we've come to the conclusion like there's not really going to be a ton of benefit in terms of directly driving towards speed gains. Um, you know, now medicine balls, we have found, we do a lot of ground reaction. We have, uh, you know, gas system, dual force plates on you know, the fancy research stuff. And yep. that definitely is, can help with ground reaction force usage and then those sorts of things without the risk of running too much nerdiness here. But, um, but in terms of like, just simply pounding a med ball on a wall, thinking you're getting faster, it's a waste of time. <laughs> um, so, so it's, it's been pretty cool. It's kind of, we've gone through the different iterations. Like I said, every study we find something we're like, oh, like there's specific strength training that works better for adults than works better for kids. And so, so then that's like, okay, let's build on that for adults and let's build on that for kids. And, and that's what yeah. research is the fun part is there's always something new to, 
to, to, to research. And I think the fun thing about social is they're always like 17 steps ahead of weird stuff that they can come up with. So it's, <laughs> we're never in a shortage of ideas, which is yeah. lots of fun. You're getting pictures of all that spaghetti stuck to the wall. You're like, I don't know. Yeah. It seems golf related. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'll test it. <laughs> Let's see what happens. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. So I, I, I really appreciate that, you know, that honest numeric, breakdown of kind of those two different approaches to speed training you know like you said can i just go into it with a grain of salt would you be able to put some type of number on like what what like the frequency or maybe like a uh, like a percentage of overestimation i know this is kind of again getting further down like the the nerdy numbers road but you know when we when we see like just I'm sure everyone who has Instagram who listens to the show is is inundated with like the different ads because you know they're watching coach rusty and they're watching you know like all the trick shots and all that stuff and when we do see like that that thing come across our feed what kind of I don't know efficacy isn't necessarily the right word here but like how often is it a crock of crap versus how often is it something that's actually going to be like fantastic for our game through and through. I imagine that second number is very, very small, but yeah, you know, I I'm hoping that that first number also isn't terribly large either. <laughs> so I would say if we're talking products that do what they actually say they can do, it's probably 5%, 10%. It's not a very high number. Okay. Um, that's why, I mean, if you look at the number of products that were on the market five years ago, I ch- would challenge you to find many of them still here, right? <laughs> um, it's like the orange whips about it. <laughs> exactly. Right. So, but I, I think the big things that I would stress, like, you know, any golfer listening, when you're looking through your feed or whatever, you get an ad or something new comes up and it looks really cool. The first thing that I would like, you're kind of like your, your mental framework to evaluate if something is worth pursuing is, is more how I would look at it is number one, does it have a assessment of any, some sort that allows you to actually like get some element of what do you need? Right. So there's, when I think about golf performance, I always think of it as there's always a technical, I think of a circle with four quadrants or pizza with four slices, right? Yep. You know, one slice is, is the technical, like mental kind of like, you know, course management. It's like the, the technical stuff, right. Then you have the equipment, like, you know, are you swinging a junior shaft and you're six, seven, and you, you know, can get <laughs> 600 pounds of shaft probably not going to be right for you. Right. So there's, there's an equipment component. Those are two massive components to the like performance and golf speed, whatever you want to you know talk about. The other half of the pizza though is half of that's mobility. Can you actually rotate? There's four main rotary centers that people have to have. Can you actually rotate from point A to point B in those areas? And then the other is, is the strength and power numbers. This is what we see through a lot of our research is golfers typically will fall in kind of one of three categories. And so that where, where I would really be cautious of any speed training device or um, specifically speed, like if you can't pass the four main rotary centers, the likelihood of you getting hurt is crazy high. We, we did a study where, you know, I basically took calls from people who had done speed training and got hurt. And then I ran them through kind of a quick assessment just to basically see if they, how they did on their four rotary centers. And I got 86 golfers who'd gotten hurt doing speed training who were fine prior hurt after. Um, 
every single one of them failed at least one of the four main rotary centers with the most common being the shoulders or the hips. Um, and so think the huh. analogy I use is if you think of, if you're driving a, you know, let's think of a Porsche, we're driving a Porsche down the road, right? Going like 120 and you're really excited to take this pin, you know, just massive, like sharp turn. Yep. You want to hit the brakes and the brakes don't work. <laughs> <laughs> you're into the wall or whatever. And that was <laughs> you your know, last day driving a Porsche. <laughs> exactly. Right? <laughs> and so that's where mobility, basically the less mobility you have the ability to rotate, you try to go faster, we're going to just run faster into a wall. You're not going to make the, you're not going to be able to have time to decelerate or make that turn or whatever it may be. Right. That's a great point. So, so if, you're, if you're limited, your reason why you'll lose speed, a lot of guys as they get older is it's your body's trying to protect you and self-limit you. And it says, Hey, there's a brick wall here. I'm okay. I'm only going to get bruised if you come through at 90, but you get me up to hundred and stuff's going to start to break. Right. So, so those are the big things that we see that like, as the mobility decreases, and then guys start to try to really ramp up their speed. Mm -hmm. That's the first red flag that we see of like, don't do it. So if you're looking at any device and, and you know, a device training product, or even, even like a fitness you know, program, like if they're not doing a basic assessment on you, or at least offering that out there before they see, Hey, do you actually qualify to be safe with our product? I would run the other way. Um, Cause that to me just tells me the company or whoever's doing it doesn't, they just, they're just like trying to, you know, get their investors happy or whatever. To, yeah. you know, make dollars, right. But truly, like before we take, we won't even take a client unless we talk to them on the phone. Like, like when we got to run you through an assessment, like see if you qualify, what are you trying to accomplish? Can we help you? Can we not? Um, and that to me is the level of efficacy that in my opinion, all companies should operate on. Um, you know, I would love to see before any sort of speed training product is like, they recommend like, hey, this should be the assessment. You should pass these specific areas. If you don't pass them, go past, like don't use our product because you're probably right. going to get and it's probably not going to be super helpful in terms of increasing your longevity long-term. Um, but when you don't see that, then it's just, it's somebody looking for a quick fix, you know, hit their quarterly revenue numbers or whatever. But, um, but that, that to me is there should always be some form of assessment where there's, you know, do you pass the rotary center for, it literally takes you four minutes to do the test <laughs> Four centers do, do yes or no. If you then pass them, I think this is where a lot of good golfers will run into problems is they like technically they're going to be very efficient they're going to have the right equipment and we'll see them being able to basically out punt their coverage where they can create club head speed beyond what their body can handle and so this is where we'll see guys like in the 20 30th percent this is the cool part of our research is we've been able to figure out percentiles for for guys and girls in different age groups and what are the norms for different strengths and speeds and power numbers and we can say hey you're you know, your club is in the 90th percentile for your age group. You pass all your mobility, which is great, but your strength and power numbers are in the 20th percentile. And then you have a big, we, we would call that an injury gap because you're swinging really, really fast. You've got all the motion, yeah. but you like your, your braking system is not very good. You got 1986 rusted <laughs> brakes on your brand new Corvette. Right. There we like, go. Like, like, I like that one. I like that analogy better. Cause I'm a Corvette guy. I actually have Corvette tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. So that, that would not be good for your Corvette if you no, have break 86 and the rest, right? And so that's that's the other piece. So we either run into golfers who don't have room to slow down, so they're running into walls, or we have golfers who don't have the ability to slow down how much speed they can generate and they got bad braking systems. And that's kind of your strength and power numbers. Um, and so you know, to go back to kind of circle all that said to, to say, if you go go to a, an ad and you see it and you look at it, it looks cool. If there's not any way to figure out is this product for me or not? And the company's not offering that upwards. I would be very cautious and, and pursuing it. 
Yeah, that's that's awesome advice. So one more time, just to reiterate, what are those four pizza slices again? Yeah, so the big four. So you have tech, I would, I would call them technical, and I would wrap into that piece. That would be like a meat lover's. So there's lots of different pieces to that. You'd have course yeah. management, you'd have uh, mental game, you'd have kind of you know all the stuff that goes into you know managing when you're on the course, obviously your swing too. Uh, but then you have the equipment side. So, you know, your shaft, your head, your driver, you know, all that sort of stuff. And then you're going to have, that's the top half of the pizza. The bottom half is going to be your mobility in one quarter. And then your power and strength is going to be that, that fourth piece. Nice. Can you tell we're recording at lunch, everybody? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hungry, yeah. <laughs> Not what I thought was going to happen on a golf podcast. <laughs> so like we, we've been talking about kind of those injury opportunities, um, when, like I said at the beginning, you know, when, when golfers are kind of like waking up from their winter slumber, at least those of yep. us who live uh, up North, what are some steps that we can take to help us avoid those injuries from the, you know, overexcitement the first day that the driving range is open, the, yeah. you know, rushing out there to hit all the golf balls and then holding your back and, you know, and wearing like a weight belt for the next 48 hours. <laughs> how can we, how can okay. we kind of, assess that process or maybe build a process for ourselves mm-hmm. to make sure that we're getting through it unscathed? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think that the first thing is if you're just waking up from your slumber and you're like, oh my gosh, it's 80 degrees out today. Yesterday there was snow on the ground. Like I'm going, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing for a golfer to know is uh, check, check for brick walls and check your brakes. <laughs> Basically, do you have the ability to rotate in your shoulders, your hip, your spine, and your neck? Um, and we have a free assessment we give to anybody, even if you don't work with us and you know, we'll, we can talk about that later, um, for your yeah. listeners, but you know, basically like do those four tests. Do you have the ability to avoid the brick wall? <laughs> if the answer is yes, great. Check that off, right? Like you're probably okay to go swing and, you know, have, have fun. The guys who get into trouble, who don't have the brakes are the ones who start doing tons and tons of volume. And that tends to be kind of a cumulative effect down the line where, you know, first day you may be okay, maybe a little tired, but you know, come May and June, right before club championship, you know, usually it always happens before, a, um, you know, some big event that you're excited for. <laughs> right. Or, or like maybe it's your, yeah, maybe, maybe it's your birthday at your local driving range and they rent a suite and like somehow like eight empty pitchers of beer show up. And then you wake up the next day with a massive headache and a sore back. This is just all just, you know, definitely totally not theoretical. Me. Definitely did theoretical. not happen two weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally theoretical. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's uh, asking for a friend named for a friend. my yeah. spine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so in, in those circumstances, I guess for me, it's, it's easy to kind of envision that, that brick wall, you mm-hmm. know, it's like, it, that's pretty pass fail. You know, it's either kind of free and, and clear and pain-free or it's not. I think the the braking system is something that I'm having a harder time understanding. Like I I definitely I get it from like an overspeed training standpoint, but from a just kind of regular fatigue and attrition standpoint, I think I'm struggling with it there. Yeah. There. So think of it this way: think of your strength and your power are like armor. Okay. We were talking about, we were talking about Teflon earlier, right? So, yeah. so it's you know, the, the, the stronger and the, and the more power you're able to create, that's basically you have a thicker set of armor. So you can take more hits. Um, another way to think about it is if you think of, you know, a, a big, 
a big water jug and the amount of, the bigger the water jug, the more energy you have to potentially utilize throughout the season. Right. So every time you go play, sure. you take a drink of the water jug. Right. So if you go out to the beginning of the season with an eight ounce cup, you better take really little sips or not a lot of balls. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, but if, if you go out with a, with a keg, right. Then you can play for a while. Like nothing, like you got a lot of in reserve. Right. So when we look at basically like a golfer speed, so let's say you're swinging 120 miles an hour, you're in the top percentile for your age group or, you know, so let's say you're 30 years old and you're swinging 125 miles an hour. Like, so like you're swinging really fast for your age group, right? Basically, and regardless of where you're going to fall in your age group percentile wise, let's say you're only swinging hundred miles an hour. Let's say that's 50th percentile, right? If your strength and power is more than 15 percentile points below wherever your club head speed is, that's the initial kind of red flag. And then the further away and the lower that strength and speed gets, that's the thinner the armor is. That's the smaller the cup that you're coming to play uh, the season with. So basically, if you, you know, if you can get where your, your speeds percentile wise for your age group and your strength and power for your, for your age group are pretty much the same, you're going out like, you know, indestructible. Like you're, yep. you're, I would say that, that Goldilocks zone. As, yeah, exactly. You have a you have a keg. You're ready to go. You can drink the whole season. Uh, you've got multiple layers of armor. You know, if we're seeing where your strength and power is in the bottom of the bucket and your speed is way high, you're going out basically in a t-shirt. You know, to a battle, right? Like, <laughs> I hope you're, you're one of the extras in Game of Thrones. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right? <laughs> that's probably the better visual of that. Um, and so, so that's I think to to kind of kind of put that in a more in a kind of a metaphorically or kind of concretely of what that is. It's Literally, you do you, you throw a, a medicine ball, you see how high you can jump. We figure out what your club head speed is. And from those three tests, I can, we can tell you exactly what kind of if you're wearing a T-shirt or if you're, you're going to live for a while. You know what I mean? Very nice. Yeah. That, you know, being that I run a Sunday morning uh, Dungeons and Dragons campaign with my kids. Yeah, we're we're talking about armor class and endurance. Yeah, I'm I'm right there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's really cool. So as we're progressing through our season, you know, we're trying to bring a bigger and bigger jug of water out onto that course with us. We're trying to add to it as we go. Uh you know, we were we were talking earlier, and I can't remember if this was in the the pre-interview or actually, you know, with the hot mic with with the concept of work smarter, not harder, yep. are there go-to things that we can do to, you know, help add volume to that, uh, to that jug of water that we're taking out there? Yeah. So I think, you know, one of the things that definitely adds volume, I think assume, assuming we get the, if you don't have the mobility, so you have like big brick walls, <laughs> you immediately have to go to the jug of water, right? Like that's your only hope. Yep. So I think the first thing that we always see is, you know, literally in six to eight weeks, guys are like, they fail all four and six weeks later, they're passing all of them. Like let less than 90 minutes over the course of a week. It doesn't take tons of time, 15 minutes, 10 minutes a day. Like just knowing what you got to do, you can be targeted at it. Yep. So I think that, that would be the first thing right now. If you're getting rolling off the couch, you're like, okay, golf, full bore, go. What can I do to like sort of help myself? <laughs> That would be the first thing is, is trying to clean up those rotary centers as quickly as we can. So, you know, six weeks, if you're younger, you know, I've seen it in two to four weeks, but um, that, that would be the first thing to do in terms of gaining the armor or kind of leveling up from a t-shirt to maybe a sweatshirt, and then maybe to actually something with a little bit more 
um, you know, <laughs> a leather power. tunic. Like a tunic, yeah. <laughs> That's still probably um, not doing a lot for you. Let's get some chain mail in there. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. <laughs> But being able to kind of up up level those up, that's where you start to get to the strength training, uh, and basically, you know, not like crazy seven days a week type stuff, but like thirty minutes, you know, two three times a week, and and doing it in a way where it's targeted to the specific areas that we've talked about, like increasing vertical power, increasing upper body push power, like increasing the levels that are going to actually be impacted and, and need to be supported and stronger for golf. Um, is I think one of the biggest fallacies we see is like, oh, you need to be balanced right and left. You only go like, oh, yeah. no, there's actually, and this, this is not public knowledge, but we'll really, we can release it here. The, uh, <laughs> the, the, basically there is a actual negative relationship between balance and perform and club head speed. So the more balanced, if someone's equally like the more balanced they are, the slower they're going to tend to swing. So there's so actually actual like physical balance. Physically, if you are totally equal right and left, you will swing slower than somebody who is stronger on their dominant side, as you know, their lead side or whatever, than as to the trail side. Now, there's an ideal ratio where if you're like, you know, you're like the incredible. You don't want 90 10. Right. You want to be an incredible Hulk on one side and like my seven year old daughter on the other side. Like (laughs) that's not going to end well for you. But, you know, there there is a benefit to being imbalanced in a sport that always goes one way. Sure. So this idea of like being totally balanced is what we need is actually totally wrong. Um, you, you want to have an ideal ratio, but imbalance is actually beneficial to the game of golf and being stronger on one side, because how many times are you running into the brick wall on your backswing? Right. Versus how fast you go into the brick wall in your backswing versus how fast <laughs> you go into the brick wall. I would prefer to put my, if I had one set of thicker pads, I'd prefer it on my yeah. left side. Yeah. So, so that's I, you know, we have tons, we've data on over 4,000 golfers looking at this. Wow. And, and it's like literally, and we have change data over time and all that. And it's literally the, the more there is a direct relationship, the more balanced, the slower you're going to be. So, so having that ability to, to train in a way that, you know, train the areas that we know are going to help you. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take, we don't literally, we tell people that we, we, we guarantee our results and like you know, money back hundred percent guarantee, but we only, we only do it. If you can guarantee me, you're going to give me at least 90 minutes a week. Right. right. And most guys look at me at you say 90 minutes and they're thinking like a day, like no, a week. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes I, it's fun to pause and be like, yeah, 90 minutes a day. Yeah. <laughs> no, just kidding. A week. Uh, right. So wait for that beat of sweat to form. <laughs> exactly. Let's literally, if you know what you need to do, what the more, the more and more research we do, the more we're seeing how kind of honed in you can be with this golfer in front of you. And that's goes back to the point of how do you know which products or which programs maybe you're right or wrong. You can do a program that has no assessment, but I guarantee you're going to do three times as much work as you need to do because it's just going to be, Hey, let's cover everything that generally helps everybody. Um, But if you have that assessment, literally less than 15 minutes, we can target exactly, Hey, this is exactly what you need to do. We can minimize your work. I don't know about you, but every golfer I've ever talked to me personally, if I have a choice between going playing golf or working out, I'm choosing golf, man. Oh, yeah. like, I, I own a fitness company and I'm like, no, forget fitness. I want to go play golf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but, and that's, I think that's where everything that we gear towards is like, if you're just getting started now, literally, if you can give your, give commit 15, 20 minutes, you know, five days a week, six days a week, you can get a lot done. And we've seen guys increase a lot of speed in season, get rid of the back. They, you know, you, you play the 18 holes, you sit down and have the two, the two cocktails and you get up and you feel like you just aged 30 years yeah. getting rid of that. <laughs> um, you know, 
you know, it's just really amazing to me. The more we do it, the more people we see how little they have to spend in terms of time and the return they can get on it because we are getting so much better from all the research in terms of exactly what needs to be done. Well, and that's at least in the, the business world where I'm coming from, that was so much of the focus. It's like, we know that 80% of our results come from 20% of our work. Exactly. And that's really what we're doing here is we're identifying what that 20% is so we can get that, you know, that big result as quick and as effortless as possible. Yeah. It's, and it's no different than designing your practice. Like what you were talking about earlier, like yeah. track, track your stats. If you're hitting 14 fairways every single day, I don't Put think the damn driver away. Yeah. yeah. Get off the <laughs> you know range. Chip. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> For the love of yeah. God, chip. Right. So, but it's, it's the same exact principles, which I think is really cool. There's so many translations from the course and how you practice and in the gym and how you approach what you're doing and, and how you're assessing and constantly changing what you're doing based on where your strengths and weaknesses are at that moment. Yeah, that's that's awesome that there's a lot of parallels there. Uh, not to lean into the uh, overly on the nose uh, parallels, but we have an interesting bit in common. Uh, we, we were chatting ahead of time, and this is actually kind of how we got connected. I randomly threw a tweet out there on my birthday. I'm like, "Oh, holy crap! Made it around the you know, made it around the sun one more time. This, that, and the other thing." And I only needed one heart surgery, and that that tripped the algorithms on your end and so yep. we've we've actually both experienced uh heart surgeries at yes. very very similar ages <laughs> and uh i guess i'll i'll give the cliffs notes version of mine just because i think most of my audience already knows it when i was 14 months old i i had my first open heart surgery 12 years old i had my second and then this past year um uh, i had a I had a, an ablation. So that was my, my third surgery. Uh, turns out, I think we're, we're at the same number on the punch card, right? We are. You, you beat me to the open heart. I, I delayed on the open heart. Until, <laughs> Not until a race I wanted to win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So you beat me there. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, so I had, uh, I had a coarctation. So I had that stented and uh, I did a procedure, taking a, an artery out of my arm and putting it to my when I was two months old. Uh, apparently turning purple in your crib kind of freaked your mother out yeah that's uh, what it was for me blue lips yeah. blue yeah. lips yeah so uh so luckily they were able to save me then so i was two months old i had another stint uh placed when i was 12 and then i had open heart uh, about five years ago when i was 35 so uh but yeah teflon i have so i got about eight inches of teflon and my they took out eight inches of my aorta which is the kind of an important blood vessel that a little bit yeah your blood to the, your body uh and they replaced it with uh, eight inches of teflon so um, so yeah, so my, now my strength, my speed can be higher. My gap can actually be higher because I literally have Teflon in my. There you go. Yeah. yeah, I I too have a Teflon patch. So yeah, um, I don't know. Does that mean we both are like automatic investors in 3M or? I mean, <laughs> like a bad idea, you know? Yeah, we'll, we'll ask Warren Buffett for that one. Yeah, we'll um, ask. We'll call him after we're done here. Yeah, here we go. Well, Chris, I, I really appreciate you coming on and having this, this fun conversation with me today. Um, you had, you had mentioned that you had set up a little something for our listeners. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, the, the assessment, I think the answer to the question of what's something somebody can do to see if something would be right for them. Um, basically what we've done is we've created a home assessment that that's free for everybody. 
do you want to evaluate yourself and then see what sort of products <laughs> work for you? Like use ours to evaluate other products. Um, so you can go to a, you know, www.par4success.com, P-A-R, the number four, success.com slash Griffin, uh, G-R-I-F-F-I-N. And basically they can see there, you'll see, they'll say, you know, as a friend of Marty's, here's your free gift. Um, so they get the free the assessment. They, they'll, they'll see that it'll take them through all the mobility tests. They'll tell them if they pass or fail. Um, it'll show them the two power tests that help us to determine what percentiles they're at for power and strength. Uh, there's a whole write-up explaining kind of based on their results where they would potentially end up. Uh, and then we always offer to, uh, for free, if anyone wants to chat, we, we are happy to jump on the phone and talk you through what your results mean and, um, you know, and kind of give you guidance in terms of what you should be doing or should not be doing. Um, a lot of times end up being a lot of the conversation. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's just our way to kind of try to hope to get the research that we're doing out to the public so that you guys can make better decisions and, you know, have the best year of golf, you know, humanly possible for you this year. So I'm going to call out two of my listeners that I know will hear this, that I know are some of the more active commenters, uh, Dave down in Texas, David Hughes. I think this would be really, really good for you because of how much you play and joy in, I believe it was Columbus, Ohio. You're an engineer. You love numbers. This is right up your alley. So <laughs> at, at the, at the very least, the two of you should really, really get a lot of good out of this. Uh, uh, Julian in Australia, I think you probably enjoy this a lot because you're very much into the, uh, you know, the physical body and how that moves and everything like that. So uh, just three names that come in off the top of my head that I think would really, really enjoy this. Again, that's par the number four success.com slash Griffin. Uh, it'll be linked in the show notes here. So it'll be easy to find. You can just click through there. But uh, again, Chris, thank you so much for coming on. I think this was a, a really fun conversation. And I think our listeners really learned a lot about what to look for both uh, in themselves and in the products they may decide to pursue or not. So <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure, Marty. It's been an absolute blast and uh, hopefully do it again soon sometime. Absolutely. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Golf Strategy School. As always, if you want to keep it in the short grass, all you got to do is put those lessons into effect. And if you want to see exactly how you fare in terms of your physical performance to other golfers your age, head over to par4success.com slash Griffin, and you'll be able to see exactly where you line up and match up with other golfers your age based off of the this free performance assessment that Chris and his team has put together. Again, that's parforsuccess.com slash Griffin to see exactly how well you line up against all their golfers your age. And I'll just drop a link to it in the show notes.